And that was Pete Seeger off of his album At 89. That was Nameless Banjo Riff. Greetings and welcome to Polyrical, a podcast of political music, a soundtrack for the resistance, a topical solution for the political revolution. I want to hear from you, so if you like what you hear, or even if you don't, you can email me at polyrical at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at polyrical, and you can check out the website polyrical.com where you'll find some back episodes, or all the back episodes, and you'll find some links to make a donation to keep this podcast going. This is a special episode, not the standard format of a, a specific topic and artist this entire episode is on a single artist and actually a single album we're going to be uh rolling through pete seeger's album at 89 in its entirety and that is because yesterday was may the 3rd uh 2019 that is the 100th anniversary of the birth of pete seeger um so we're gonna run through a full album uh, from Pete. So Pete Seeger is one of the the top 10 or 20. It's hard to rank artists, political musicians, uh, musicians with, you know, social and political music um, that really dedicated their life to activism. Um, but Pete is, is way up there. He's way up there among uh, the likes of Woody Guthrie, Bob Dylan, John Lennon, um, you know, those those top well-known and lesser well-known. Bruce Coburn, I put in that list. Billy Bragg, Melvina Reynolds, who uh, Pete worked with. Pete worked with a lot of a lot of these artists as well. Um, there's some some great modern artists as well. Uh, David Rovix is one. We're going to hear a bit from David Rovix in the middle of this set. And uh, Grace Petrie out of, out of UK, another really, really great um, uh, younger artist that really is in that political uh, tradition. Ani DeFranco. I could go on and on, but that's what this whole podcast is about. It's, it's the political music, the social music that, uh, or social issues music that I love and enjoy and love to share with you. So let's dive in. Once again, this is the album Pete Seeger at 89. And this track is False from True. When my song turned to ashes on my tongue When I look at the mirror See, I'm no longer young Then I got to start again The job of separating false from true And then I know I know I need the love of you When I found tarnished on some of my brightest dreams When some folks I've trusted Turned out not quite what they seem Then I got to start the job 
of separating false from true. Then once more I know, I know I need the love of you. No song I can sing will make Governor Wallace change his mind. I can sing will take the gun from a hate-filled man. But I promise you and you, brothers and sisters of every skin, I'll sing your story while I've breath within. Got to keep on keeping on, even when the sun goes down. We got to live, 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 live till another day come round. Meanwhile, better start over, separating false from true. I need the love of you. Seeger, and I'm enjoying listening to some friends sing some songs that I helped put together, some recently, some decades ago. This next one, I just put new words to a two-part melody written by Ludwig van Beethoven way back two centuries ago.
year was 1997, and Mayor Giuliani, mayor of New York City, was going to auction off 116 beautiful community gardens. And an organization called the Green Gorillas organized a rally at 6th Avenue and 42nd Street with busy traffic pouring by. And I got three altos and three sopranos to sing this song, and Beethoven's Seventh Symphony floated out across the traffic. of gold, for friends are a treasure, so hold hands and sing it again. Oh, when I think of the ways that I've grown, I know I couldn't have made it alone. I owe a lot to the sharing, caring, caring, for wonderful friends that I know. I owe a lot to the sharing, caring, caring. Ago when I was feeling discouraged, I found that singing with my friends would fill me with courage. It's a rough and rocky road we're on, but when we get worried with old friends, we'll sing it again. Oh, when I think of the ways that I To the sharing, caring, caring, wonderful friends that I know. I owe a lot to the sharing, caring, caring, wonderful friends that I know. It looks like we might sing all night, but looks are deceiving. That old clock up on the wall says, Soon I got to be leaving. Though we go our separate ways, there's no need for grieving. Just hold hands and sing it again. Oh, when I think of the ways that I've grown, 
Since 1969, I and a batch of others have worked with an organization called the Clearwater, sailing a great big sailboat up and down the river, taking 50 kids out at a time, teaching them about pollution, about history, and singing some songs. Here's a little piece of a song we've sung for years. It's sung by Captain Travis Jeffrey. One day, one day, one day, one day, I was walking along, I was walking along, and I spied a little child, and I spied a little child, just singing a song, just singing a song, about hauling together, hauling together, and keeping in time, and keeping in time, about hauling on a halyard, hauling on a halyard, and making up a rhyme, and making it's a low haul. It's a low haul. It's a high haul. It's a high haul. It's a job for the many. It's a job for the many. Not just for the few. Not just for the few. It's a job for everybody. It's a job for everybody. It's me and you. That's me and you. It's a long haul. It's a long haul. Throw away that chat net, get rid of hook and line. There's no more Hudson fishing, not for a long, long time. The poison's in the riverbed, no matter who's the crime. But how are we gonna save tomorrow? One thousand honest workers need that paycheck every week way up in Fort Edward where the PCBs did leak and the GE Corporation knows the profits it must seek but how are we gonna save tomorrow PCB was a clever thing way back in 29 Transformers and capacitors got turned out on the line. Nobody suspected what they'd do to us in time. But now we got to worry about tomorrow. Well, the purpose of technology is going to take a different turn 
We'll test each new thing carefully. That's one thing we have learned. We need a clean world for all to share and all to work and earn. Then maybe we can save tomorrow. Well, the experts knew about it, so why not you and me? Who controls the information in this land of the free? The laws didn't seem to help in stopping PCB. So how are we gonna save tomorrow? The longest journey taken needs a first step to begin. This cleanup's gonna take a while, but now we must begin. Clearwater says to lend a hand, a claw, a paw, a fin. Cause now we got to work to save tomorrow. This song's too sad. Here's to the lowly blue crab, because he has no fat. So he's got no PCB, hardly we can say hooray for that. So I'll not quit my crabbing, you can stick that in your hat. Somehow, we're gonna save tomorrow. In the old days, coal miners took a canary down to test the air. Here's to the canary we took down in the mine. Here's to the Hudson Stripers, may their warning come in time. Here's to all the young folks singing, this land is yours and mine. And that's how we're gonna save tomorrow. Oh, the glory's on the river and the struggle's on the shore. Next year is 1976, wow, let's start a little war. Anyone who thinks we're quitting, better take just one think more. And that's how we're gonna save tomorrow. So don't throw away that shad net, don't junk that hook and line. We're gonna make some changes gonna start in time. Clearwater sings to all of us, this land is yours and mine. That's how we're gonna save tomorrow. Sing it again. And that's how we're gonna save tomorrow. I heard the song of the world's last whale as I rocked in the moonlight and reefed the sail it'll happen to you also without fail if it happens to me sang the world's last whale it was down off Bermuda early last spring near an underwater mountain where the humpbacks sing. I lowered the microphone about a quarter mile down, switched on the recorder, let the tape spin round. 
didn't just hear grunting. I didn't just hear squeaks. I didn't just hear bellows. I didn't just hear shrieks. It was the musical singing and the passionate wail that came from the heart of the world's last whale. Down in the Antarctic, there the harpoons wait. But it's upon land you decide my fate. In London town, they'll be telling the tale if it's life or death for the world's last way. So here's a little test to see how you feel. Here's a little test for this age of the automobile. If we can save our singers up in the sea, perhaps there's a chance to save you and me. I heard the song of the world's last whale as I rocked in the moonlight and reefed the sail. It'll happen to you also without fail if it happens to me sang the world's last whale I often think what it must have been like for the people living along the Hudson when they first met Europeans. One day, they looked out and saw what seemed be like a huge bird, the biggest bird anyone ever had seen, moving slowly across the water. And then, when it got nearer, they could see it was not a bird. It was some kind of something that had people on it. And then it came to rest and didn't move anymore. Who were they? Us local people had never seen anything like this in our lives. We only knew our own little part of the river. If you went too far away, you could get in trouble. But living on the river, we had food, oysters and mussels, and we fished. And in the winter, when the river was covered with ice, we caught deer and other animals in the mountains. But this strange, strange thing that we thought was a bird and now we know is not, let's go closer if we dare. And when we came close to the ship, we saw that they were people a little bit like us, but they had very pale faces, not brownish like our faces were. Most of them had some kind of covering on their bodies, not skins like we sometimes wear. And they held out things which they could give us, and we held out things which we could give them. 
Well, this was the beginning of the end for us, and we didn't know it. After them, in other years, came many, many more. They called them ships. They had lots of words that we did not know, but we learned some of their words, and they learned some of our words. And then more and more of them came. And they wanted to live on the shore like we did, but they wanted to live in what they called houses. Instead of living with the cold of the winter, they had warm fires inside their houses. And pretty soon they were cutting down the trees and they planting things in the ground. And then they seemed to take over. They were taking more and more land all the time. And we had a meeting with them. We had to use their language. And they said, we will give you this and we will give you that. It's true. They had things we wanted. When we had to cut down a tree, we did it with a stone tool and they had a thing they called a hatchet and a bigger thing they called an axe and they could cut down a tree so much quicker and when we heated up things we could only heat them up in big wooden trenches made of logs but they had things they called iron pots and we wanted these things because they were very convenient But what they wanted was more land. And at this conference, we were sitting on a bench near some of them, and one of us decided to move his seat a little closer to this man, this white pale-faced man. And the pale face moved a little bit nearer the edge of the bench. And then one of us moved still a little closer to him again. And he moved still a little further near the end of the bench. And then when one of us wanted to move still closer, he said, I'm coming to the end of the bench. You're pushing me off. And we said to him, don't you realize that's what you're doing to us? You say you just want a little more land and a little more land and a little more land. And eventually, where are we to go to? In the winter of 2007, the following 24 words were put down by the Zero Waste Commission of the city of Berkeley, California. If it can't be reduced, reused, repaired, rebuilt, refurbished, refinished, resold, recycled, or composted, then it should be restricted, redesigned, or removed from production. 
Those 24 words were given me by a young woman at a little peace demonstration, said, could you make a song out of it? Well, I laughed, but I had a bad cold the following week. I couldn't speak for four days I was in bed, and I stuck the 24 words up on the wall. But gosh, at the end of four days, I had a song. If it can't be reduced, if it can't be reduced, reuse, repaired, reuse, repaired, rebuilt, refurbished, refinished, resold, recycled, or composted, or composted, uh, then it should be, then it should be, restricted, redesigned, restricted, redesigned, or removed, removed from production, from production. Hooray for the city of Berkeley! Hooray for the city of Berkeley! Hooray for the city of Berkeley! And its zero waste commission! Hooray for the city of Berkeley! That beautiful city of Berkeley! Hooray for the city of Berkeley! And its zero waste Commission. Now everybody out there can sing on this. If you come in on the repeats, when I point at you, you repeat my line. If it can't be reduced, if it can't be reduced, reused, repaired, reused, repaired, rebuilt, refurbished, refinished, resold, recycled, or composted, or composted, and then it should be. Then it should be restricted, redesigned, restricted, redesigned, or removed, removed from production. From production. Here we go. Hooray for the city of Berkeley. Hooray for the city of Berkeley. Hooray for the city of Berkeley and its zero waste emission. Hooray for the city of Berkeley. That beautiful city of Berkeley, the parade for the city of Berkeley, and this zero So normally in a standard episode, we get a little uh, spoken word piece in the middle. Pete, Pete on this album speaks intermittently and, uh, you know, talks about various different issues. Uh, but we are going to uh, have a spoken word piece. We sh it's usually called A Few Words. This is going to be quite a lot more than a few words. It's the latest episode from David Rovix. Um, but before we get to that, Pete spoke about the uh, Clearwater and the Clearwater Festival is ongoing today. Uh, it's in June. It's a, a two-day music art uh, uh, people, environmental, I don't know, social justice. Uh, maybe that's a dirty word these days. Social, but social justice anyway. Um, festival that goes on in New York and some of the artists appearing this year and there's there's dozens of artists but uh some of them include uh Mavis Staples, Ani DeFranco, The Whalers as in Bob Marley and The Whalers, Immortal Technique, Tom Paxton, Tom Chapin and Rebel Diaz who was uh, more recently added when I first uh, looked at tickets here and actually bought some tickets uh, Rebel Diaz was not on the bill really excited that he's been added 
So here is David Rovix's most recent episode of This Week with David Rovix. And this one is called Pete Seeger Was a Movement Musician. Hello. You're listening to episode 40 of This Week with David Rovix, which is available on all the usual podcasting platforms and at davidrovix.com slash thisweek. On May 3rd, 1919, Pete Seeger was born. Many people in the more musical regions of my social circles are currently celebrating his life for the occasion of what would have been his 100th birthday had he lived past the age of 94. Among people I know, so much has already been said about Pete that I'm hesitant to say more. But on fairly obsessive reflection around the subject of Pete Seeger myself in recent days, I realize I do have thoughts that might be worth sharing, despite the quantity of verbiage already cluttering the web. So much has been said and written about him over the course of the past 83 years or so, it's very easy to blend fact with fiction. This is perhaps especially true for people who knew him but only a little. Does reading a book and having a short conversation with the author give you much more insight into the subject of the book than you would have had without that conversation? Probably not. But it's been six years since Pete died, and I'm six years older. And I'll just say up front here that it's not my deeply intimate familiarity with Pete that makes me feel like I have something to say here. I barely knew the guy. But we had a lot of mutual friends and acquaintances, and most importantly, we shared the same profession. I am, and he was, a musician, among other things, but specifically a musician with deep social movement roots. He was a fish swimming in a sea of social movements throughout his life, and he navigated the waters as best he could to be a helpful, musical part of these movements. Anyone who visited him at his home mentions the wood splitting right away. I never visited him at home or split wood with him, though I did sweep a floor with him once. I know how the wood-splitting thing can be, though having grown up not far away from Beacon, New York myself, in a wood-heated home in Connecticut, very close to another river that had, like the Hudson, long ago been poisoned by industry, the Housatonic. You split a lot of wood to keep a wood stove hot through a northeastern winter, or up in the hills through the spring and fall as well. Pete was reputed to live a very simple life, to the extent that he could manage it as a relatively famous, at times chart-topping musician. As far as I know, he never resented the fact that he did well enough as a musician to tour the world and feed his family, but Pete talked on so many occasions in so many ways about how profoundly uncomfortable he was with all the attention. When I was younger, I assumed this was just him being humble, that secretly he really enjoyed the fame and wealth. But later on reflection, it's very clear to me that he meant what he said and pretty much everything he did in his life as a musician and organizer reinforced his words. Pete certainly believed in the power of music, and surely wished music, including his music, would be used in many different circumstances, for the love of music, and for movement building and community building of all kinds. But throughout his life, though the spotlight repeatedly kept turning to him, among others, he was working for the movement. By no means am I suggesting that Pete was anything less than a great musician, musical interpreter, and songwriter. He was all three. But his desire to just be an effective musical part of a social movement, and not to be a shining star floating somewhere above the movement, was real. When Pete Seeger was conceived, millions of people were slaughtering each other in Europe in the First World War. When Pete was a baby, 
The radical labor movement in the form of the IWW was being brutally destroyed in a concerted national campaign of arson, lynchings, arrests, and deportations of union activists carried out by the federal government. By the time Pete was a preteen, the Great Depression was in full swing, and the heir to the IWW, the Congress of Industrial Organizations, was organizing the working class, this time with much greater success than the IWW had had, partially because the federal authorities under FDR were sympathetic to unions. The CIO was led in no small part by Communist Party members. At that time, when people talked about the labor movement, the term was as inclusive as the term the movement later became in the 60s. It was certainly meant to include the farmers and the unemployed, among many others. By the time he was 17, with the Great Depression still raging, Pete was playing his banjo for the movement. Back in the 30s, Pete and I had a mutual friend named Bob Steck. Bob used to tell me about the movement in the 1930s, when he was an acti- which he was an active part of, being a few years older than Pete, and also long dead. The Communist Party of the day focused a lot of energy on culture, what Bob called the culture department. He talked about how while organizing workers into unions was a major emphasis for party organizers and sympathizers, of similar emphasis was the importance of communication, and using music and theater and other forms of culture to do that. The CIO and the Communist Party were building on ideas and tactics that were well-worn, used with fairly spectacular success by the IWW, with its most well-known cultural import from Sweden, Joe Hill. When Pete Seeger was taking the subway around New York City, singing for multiple Labour and Communist Party events per day back then when he was a teenager, Joe Hill had only been executed a little more than 20 years earlier. A typical day in the city Pete lived in at that time involved hundreds of thousands of people in the streets protesting against capitalism, often being savagely beaten by police. When Pete was a teenager, many of his friends, including the aforementioned Bob Steck, went off to Spain, volunteering to fight alongside the anarchists there against fascism. Many of Pete's friends never returned home. Many more would die in the far bigger global war that occupied much of Pete's twenties. In the sea that Pete swam in, he was already feeling very lucky to be alive by the time he was a young adult. A child of privilege, but not living in what you might call a privileged time or a privileged position in it, partially by choice, but in any case, long before many people would be thinking of mortality, Pete's friends were dying fighting for a cause they and he passionately believed in. Call it what you will, Pete disliked labels for his politics as much as he disliked labels for his music. But something involving egalitarianism, liberty, dignity, where everybody has a place to live, enough food, health care, clean water, etc., that sort of thing. He would see the lives of many of his friends and colleagues ruined by McCarthy's anti-communist witch hunt, but Pete was, it seems to me, emotionally well disposed to weather that storm, since he hadn't been looking for the stardom he had just then been experiencing with his first big hits in the early 1950s. He was blacklisted from TV and from lots of other venues, but he could still get gigs on college campuses. Back during the blacklist, my mom was a student at Oberlin College, which is where she first heard a Pete Seeger concert. As the civil rights movement got off the ground, Pete was there, naturally, going where the movement was. 
Same for the movement against the war in Vietnam, the movement against nuclear weapons and nuclear power, the environmental movement more broadly, the movement against intervention in Latin America, against invading Iraq, and, not long before he died, even Occupy Wall Street. But it was natural for Pete to do these things, not because he was such a special guy with a heart of gold or whatever else, though he surely was, but because that's what you do when you're in the movement and you're a musician. Pete was just a person. He was born into one of the greatest periods of social upheaval in the history of civilization, the 1930s in New York City. He stood on the shoulders of the IWW, along with everyone else in the movement at the time, and he swam in the waters of the CPUSA, the CIO, and the social movement more broadly that these organizations were also just part of. Pete learned, during that incredibly exciting, incredibly deadly period of history, what the struggle was all about, what it meant to be a movement musician, and the role that music played in building and maintaining social movements. What Pete learned from people like Bob back in the 1930s was wisdom from a social movement that he spent the rest of his life sharing in so many ways. So did millions of other people who had the great privilege, or the curse, to be young American communists in New York City during the Great Depression and the world historic social movement that it helped to bring into existence. Millions of lives were profoundly impacted by that thriving social movement about which so much has been said about which so much more needs to be said. Bob Steck got home from Spain after serving 16 months in one of Franco's concentration camps. He became director of activities for Camp Unity, where he spent a lot of time hanging out with Pete Seeger, Led Belly, Clifford Odets, Paul Robeson, and other musicians and playwrights who spent summers there along with lots of left-wing families from the New York region performing, doing workshops, writing songs, skits, and plays. In addition to his work at Camp Unity, Bob taught history in the New York public schools for 30 years. I mention Bob only because I think that people like him, who were the people on the streets of New York who were largely responsible for imbuing Pete with his awareness of the world and his place in it, were serving the movement with the same sort of humble spirit that Pete gave to the movement. For Bob, this meant running a summer camp and teaching history to poor kids in New York for most of his working life. For Pete, it meant making a lot of music and doing a lot of organizing over the course of his life, which only coincidentally put him in the spotlight a hell of a lot more than any high school history teacher is ever likely to be in. Both Bob and Pete were raised by progressives, so they likely would have been progressive anyway, had history unfolded differently than it did. But they were fundamentally shaped by the 1930s and the social movements of the period. If you knew many other left-wingers from Pete's generation, the signs of a movement organizer are obvious. What I think confuses people to some extent is that, for one thing, we live in a society where the cult of the individual is a dominant force. But also, the movements and organizations that existed when he was young have changed over time, and in most cases don't exist anymore. The character of movements change, too, in different times and places. There are a lot of notable differences between, say, the labor movement of the 1930s and the environmental movement of the 1970s, as well as a lot of similarities that could easily be overlooked. Some movement organizers in the 1930s were on the payroll of organizations that later ceased to exist, or from which they were purged, or from which they developed political differences. For some, that's when the organizing ended. 
But for many others, their movement orientation wasn't tied up with the Communist Party, the IWW, the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, or any other organization, celebrity, or political figure. They were movement organizers, movement musicians, and if the movement didn't find them, they kept doing their thing as best they could until the next wave came along, trying in various ways to poke the water and make it happen. That was Pete's orientation, quite clearly. Most of what I've written so far are conclusions I could have reached from reading Pete's Wikipedia entry. But my own personal experiences bear out these sorts of impressions very clearly, of Pete as popular educator, organizer, and promoter of things bigger than himself. The best way I can think of to summarize my personal experience of Pete Seeger, which also confirms all of my suspicions about the man, is that I essentially met him for the first time on at least three different occasions. Each time we met, it had been long enough since the last time that he clearly wasn't making the association or had forgotten about the last time. Each time was an entirely different context, and each time his response was consistent. To use his knowledge and position to promote the movement, to promote good communication, and to promote other artists. Pete was only in his 70s when we first met. He looked old. White people who spend a lot of time outdoors are especially prone to wrinkling. But he was still very energetic. I sent the lyrics of a song I had just written, back in 1995, about the bombing of the federal building in Oklahoma. His response was to call me at my mother's house and invite me to perform at the Clearwater Festival. Years later, I sent him another lyric, and his response was to send me back sheet music for it, which he had just written, for me to use if I wanted to. But then, during the course of what many of us were calling the Global Justice Movement, when I was getting a lot of interesting gigs in the late 90s, I had a show with Pete Seeger at the Grassroots Radio Conference. When we met again there in Jefferson, New York, it was evident that Pete had heard of me before, but didn't realize we had already met several times. Not that I asked, but it was clear that he thought we were meeting for the first time. Once again, years later, a check arrived in the mail for a hundred dollars and a note indicating he had just discovered my music and requesting that I send him all the CDs I had ever recorded. Without, I hope, appearing to brag, the point is that Pete had his finger on the pulse of social movement activity. The reason why we saw each other and had other forms of contact on so many occasions in the late 90s and early noughties was specifically because those were the years when I was very much plugged into two different overlapping social movements active around that time, which we could roughly characterize as the global justice movement and the anti-war movement. He was hearing about me because he was plugged into those movements too, just as he had been with previous movements. There are many other artists who can share similar stories about Pete. I believe the last time that I saw him in person was on February fifteenth, two 2003. I guess he would have been 83. He was with his wife Toshi, who I had briefly met before at the Beacon Sloop Club and maybe elsewhere. We were behind the stage at the anti-war rally, which, was, which the anti-war coalition United for Peace and Justice had organized. We were waiting to do our bits. Each of us were to do one song. It was way, way below freezing, with a harsh wind whipping between the skyscrapers of Manhattan. My friend Brad Simpson was rushing around. He was one of the organizers, at the time working for the War Resisters League. His former employer, Amy Goodman, was there, along with former South African Archbishop and anti-apartheid organizer Desmond Tutu, and a bunch of other folks, including my singing partner at the time, Ali Rosenblatt. Loads of mainstream media were there, too, but without exception, they were all glued to every word and every facial movement of Danny Glover, 
who was there too, looking magnificent and impervious to the cold, unlike the rest of us shivering mortals. In retrospect, those camera lights may have been very warm, and he may not be superhuman after all, but who knows. Pete and Toshi were sensibly dressed in warm winter jackets, and I was concerned about the very red bits of exposed skin on his face as he sat on an uncomfortable little chair in this very cold, dimly lit tent. I don't remember what we talked about. I'm sure I was trying to be cool and not slobber. I was just glad that Pete wasn't currently in the limelight enough to warrant the cameras of the TV stations when Danny Glover was standing five feet away, and we could st- we could just chill, if you will, and be anonymous together. Bruce Springsteen's album, The Seeger Sessions, would come out three years later. Pete was reportedly annoyed by Mr. Springsteen's choice for the title. Svegliato, oh bella ciao, bella ciao, bella ciao, 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 una mattina mi son svegliato e ho trovato l'invesor, oh partigiano, portami via, oh bella ciao, bella ciao, bella ciao, 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 partigiano, portami via, che mi sento di morire, e se io mioio. The partisano, oh bella ciao, bella ciao, bella ciao, 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 e se io mio io, da partisano, tu mi devi sepelier. Sepelire. Sun montagna, oh bella ciao, bella ciao, bella ciao, 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 sepelire la sun montagna sotto l'ombra di un bel fior. E le genti che passeranno, oh bella ciao, bella ciao, bella ciao, 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 e le genti che passeranno mi diranno che bel fior. Questo io fiore. Del partenziano, oh bella ciao, bella ciao, bella ciao, 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 questo è un fiore. Del partenziano, morto per la libertà. This has been episode 40 of This Week with David Rovix, which is online on various platforms by Friday each week, now including the internet radio station Folk Music Notebook. You'll also find my semi-daily micro-podcast, Song for Today, featured on the station, as well as on all the usual podcasting platforms if you search for Song for Today. If you're in Portland, I hope to see you this weekend at one of two gigs I'll be doing. Later this month, I'll be in Montreal, Ottawa, and Winnipeg. For most of the summer, I'll be making espresso drinks at Café Hellebeck in Denmark, but I have plenty of free dates for doing shows in Scandinavia during that time, and I'm also now starting to make plans for a big fall tour. 
I'm a bit more than a quarter of the way towards my goal in the crowdfunder for the electric-assisted cargo bike I hope to have by this summer to travel around Denmark in with my family. If you might be inclined to support the crowdfunder in any way, please go to davidrovics.com slash cafe for more information. Okay, signing off for now. See you soon. I spent three and a half years in the U.S. Army during World War II. I didn't do any fighting. I got put into a special service company sent to a little island in the Western Pacific. When I was finally discharged, I was back to being a songwriter and a singer and found myself in one way or another singing songs that referred to that war. Cities were falling, and from unexpected places, blue skies were seen. When I was most beautiful, people around me were killed, and for paint and powder, I lost a chance. Nobody gave me kind gifts, men knew only to salute and went away. When I was most beautiful, my country lost the war. I paraded the main streets with my blouse sleeves rolled high. Jazz overflowed the radio. I broke the prohibition against smoking. Sweet music of another land. When I was most beautiful, I was most unhappy. I was quite absurd. I was quite lonely that
that's why I decided to live long like Monsieur Rouault, who was a very old man when he painted such terribly beautiful pictures. You see. In 1939, a man wrote a song for the regiment he was in. It was a Jewish regiment from what is now Israel, but then it was part of the British Army. The song was so popular, they sang it across North Africa, they sang it in the Normandy beachhead, they sang it through Germany and into the Holocaust camps. In 1950, 
the great band leader Gordon Jenkins made up English words to it, and the weavers sang it to the top of the hit parade. Now, in the 21st century, the man who originally created the music, Isaka Miron, he and I think that it might have a new career. We have not only an English translation, but a translation in Arabic. And all these parts harmonize with each other. Thank you. 
Now you and I, no matter where you live, have got a job everyone has to get involved in, not just cleaning up a river, but saving an entire world before it gets blown up. One of these days, 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 or else our school will get the money it needs for smaller classes and the Navy will hold a bake sale to build a battleship these days, one of 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 these days, or else. And Johnny will get the money he needs for that operation, and the Air Force will hold a raffle to buy a bomber. Days. One of these days, 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 or else. And every vote will be counted in every election, and the winners will always keep all of the promises. One of these days, one of these days, one of these days, one of these days, or else. And around the world we'll learn each other's languages. And the very first thing we'll learn is how to listen. Knows the word for hello in some other language. Hola. Konnichiwa. Buongiorno. Salam. Strasvitcher. <laughs> one of these days. 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 Or else. future will be. God only knows what the future will be. But God gave us brains. He meant us to use them. Oh, one of these days. 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 Or else. One more time. One of these days. One of these days, one of these days, one of these days, one of these days, or else. It was back in 1942, I was a member of a good platoon. We were on maneuvers in Louisiana one night by the light of the moon. The captain told us to ford a river 
that's how it all begun. We were knee-deep in the big muddy, the big fools had to push on. The sergeant said, sir, are you sure this is the best way back to the base? Sergeant, go on, I've flooded this river about a mile above this place. It'll be a little soggy, but just keep slogging, we'll soon be on dry ground. We were waist deep in the big muddy, the big fools had to push on. The sergeant said, sir, with all this equipment, no man will be able to swim. Sergeant, don't be a nervous, Nelly. The captain said to him, All we need is a little determination, men. Follow me, I'll lead on. We were neck deep in the big muddy, the big fools said to push on. All at once the moon clouded over, we heard a gurgling cry. A few seconds later, the captain's helmet was all that floated by. The sergeant said, turn around, men, I'm in charge from now on. And we just made it out of the big muddy with the captain dead and gone. We stripped and dived and found his body stuck in the old quicksand. I guess he didn't know that the water was deeper than the place he'd once before been. Another stream had joined the big muddy about a half mile from where he'd gone. We were lucky to escape from the big muddy when the big fool said to push on. Well, I'm not going to point any moral. I'll leave that for yourself. Maybe you're still walking, you're still talking. You'd like to keep your health. But every time I read the paper, them old feelings come on. We're waist deep in the big muddy, the big fool says to push on. Waist deep in the big muddy, the big fool says to push on. Waist deep in the big muddy, the big fool says to push on. Waist deep, neck deep, soon even a tall man will be over his head where Waist deep in the big muddy, the big fool says to push on.
over a glass of beer No more generation gaps appear And then Oh then Oh then Oh then You wish you had your dear sweet papa in your arms again You'll be able to walk Someday You'll be able to talk No more will you poop in your pants You'll be able to sing and dance And then Oh then Oh then Oh then I wish I had that little sad baby in my arms again. 
Just a few winters ago, I was out in the snow getting some firewood to start the fire because we heat our house with wood. And I looked at the sun peeking up over the mountain and I had an idea for a song. Early in the morning, I first see the sun. I say a little prayer for the world. I hope all the little children live a long, long time. Yes, every little boy and little girl. I hope they learn to laugh at the way some precious old words seem to change. Cause that's what life is all about. To arrange and rearrange and rearrange. Oh, we, oh, why? To rearrange and rearrange and rearrange. Oh, we, oh, why? To rearrange and rearrange and rearrange. Early in the morning, I'm a gathering the sap. I say a little prayer for the maple. Like old Mama Quad on the northwest slope, I'll protect her long as I'm able. She gives more sap every year than any single other tree. So bring on the pancakes. Here's to Mama Quad. May she live for another century. Hoo-wee, hoo-wee, may she live for another century. May she live for another century. Sometimes I wake in the middle of the night and rub my aching old eyes. Is that a voice from inside of my head, or does it come down from the skies? There's a time to laugh, but there's a time to weep. A time to make a big change. Wake up, your bum. The time has come to rearrange and rearrange and rearrange. Oh, we. Rearrange and rearrange and rearrange. Oh, we, oh, why to rearrange and rearrange and rearrange. Maybe the biggest change will come when we don't have to change much at all. When maniacs holler, grow, 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 we can choose to be small. The key word may be little, we only have to change a little bit. Eat a little food, drink a little drink, and only have to. <sighs> Early in the morning, I first see the sun. I say a little prayer for the world. I hope all the little children live a long, long time. Every little boy and little girl. I hope they'll learn to laugh at the way some wicked old words seem to change. Cause that's what life is all about. To arrange and rearrange and rearrange. Sing it. Oh, we, oh, why to rearrange and rearrange and rearrange? Oh, we, oh, why to rearrange and rearrange and rearrange? Once more, oh, we, oh, why to rearrange and rearrange and rearrange? Oh, we, oh, why to rearrange and rearrange and rearrange?
You know the agricultural revolution took thousands of years. The industrial revolution took hundreds of years. Now the information revolution is only taking decades. But if we use the brains God gave us, we will have the revolution that must come if there is going to be a human race here next century. I call it the nonviolent revolution. Some may call it the love revolution or the willingness to communicate revolution. Who knows? If we learn to uh, grow not in size, but grow in generosity or grow in a sense of humor or grow in the ability to talk with people we disagree with, we will still have great-grandchildren here by the time the 22nd century comes along. If this world survives And every other day I think it might In good part it will be Because of the great souls In our community just about wrap up this episode of Polyrical. Remember, you can reach out to me. You can send me an email at polyrical at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Polyrical. And check out the website polyrical.com for back episodes. You can also catch me recording Polyrical live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash unrelated things. So once again, this was the album Pete's from Pete Seeger at 89. And I just want to say thank you very much, Pete Seeger, for your music, for your inspiration, for your tireless work, for social justice. You definitely inspired us and helped make this world a better place. From the album at 89, here's the final track. This is How Soon. Thanks for listening.